Warning. The following podcast may contain phrases such as... Fine. Mm. We'll have to agree and to disagree on that. Well, you, you, you probably like sauces on your things, too, right? We were just at Mongolian barbecue. You had sauce all over your thing. Three unwise men. Bum, bum, bum. With Frog, Grant, and Ryder. We're going to fix that entire discussion <laughs> in all post. Of it, yeah, it's just going to start Gummy Bears Orgy, just edit to now talking about Crock-Pots. All right, well, that's that's not going to make it better. So let's talk about... <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> it might, it might. So Crock-Pots for you are good. Crock-Pots are awesome. I don't see... Look, I think that you're the one with the weird position here. Because I have not run into people who are like, fuck crockpots before. Okay, so what are the... Because we're getting caught up here. What are the positions that each of you are taking right now? So so here's the thing. Um, I I feel like it's redundant to explain to the audience what a crockpot is, but I'm going to do it anyways. Go right ahead. Okay. Because it's... Some people might have good taste and don't own one. It's an earthen pot, right? Like What the fuck is... What? This is what like some woman carries on her head in the middle of Africa. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like this ceramic pot, right? It's, it's like okay. a ceramic pot. Yeah. It just Continue has an electrical. with your story there. Yeah. <laughs> you drink out of a horn too while you cook in this earthen pot. If I can, yeah. All right, all right. Go on, go on, uh, Vladimir. <laughs> your earthen pot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so so fancy. Earthen pot. Hand, how is it? Wait, wait, wait! Handmade no, no, clay like, from like, like how is an earthen pot fancy? Like it is the most basic thing because it's like handmade now, and handmade now is more. No, it just means it's made from the earth. That's it. All it things re- technically are made from the earth. Well, that's true. Was like, an what, earth pig made just, from I the mean, earth too? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> earth, <laughs> earth pig. Earth pig. Sorry, yeah. Continue, yeah, continue your description bacon. of of so. your of your really your earthenware here, please. <laughs> God, what earthen pot? <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. It's got a lid. It's got a heating element under it, and you plug it into the, a wall. Sorry, those are very benign <laughs> descriptions. After you start with earthen pot, try well, again. Trying, try, trying, again. <laughs> try again. Try again. You can't be like, you can't be earthen pot and then be like it's got a lid. It's got you put you put warm on it. What you do with it? Well, what else do you do with an earthen pot? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't own an earthen pot. You know, you I would almost. Try it. I can't. I can't. I would go get some fucking clay right now. Just build this thing on my what? Like, I put it in like a, so you're in like a brick shit. oven. You're giving me shit for adding color to the description, and then I and then I try and flatten it out so we can get to well, the substance of our debate. Well, you can't drop it like that. You're already committed. Continue on with your earthenware. What kind of lid is it? Is it elliptical? What kind of lid do we have? Well, that, there are there are varieties. All right, go on. Right, All right. You, know, you can have circular. You can have elliptical. Okay. Uh-huh. Does a lid matter? Uh, well, it's, you know, glass it's made of earth and glass. Glassier. It's made of earth and glass sand. that comes from well, sand. Heated sand. <laughs> it's a heated sand. Lid. It's a clear heated sand lid. Occasionally, <laughs> okay. Occasionally, the lid is made from hardened petroleum products. <laughs> go on, go on. Ooh, ooh. We have dinosaurs fancy. in the mix now with fancy. our earthenware. <laughs> And then, like, it sits in this metallic container. And All right. 
and like it's it's got a channel for power underneath that provides warmth. Okay. Okay. Right? Good, good. Okay. That's a good. Right? That's a Five full description. Five minutes later. <laughs> Five minutes later. <laughs> Helen like, Keller now knows what is, this thing <laughs> is. <laughs> she came here. Yeah. Well, she was like she put her hand in your mouth the whole time. <laughs> is that how she talked? And I'm aroused. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are we back to the gummy bears? All right. All right. So you so here we go. We you're so now describe why anyone should own this thing. Because they're awesome. That is oh. the worst description <laughs> ever. Well, case case closed. Right. Man, I don't I pack don't. up the bags. We're going home, boys. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, this is this is sure. like the most convenient cooking vessel known to man. Okay. Right? Oh. You get up in the morning, you throw something in the crock pot, yeah. you plug it in, okay. you come home, you have dinner. Pot roast, frickin' chicken, frickin' curries, chili, whatever the hell you want, right? If you want a chicken broth for soup mm-hmm. later on, you just throw it in the crock pot and come back. It's, it is convenience. So you have Say, to- Say, Grant, uh, I, 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 uh, I just had this revelation. Um, there's another thing that we can put uh, a pot on, and it, uh, it, it sometimes has flames that come up underneath it. You know, you know what that thing's called? A fire. Uh, it's, uh, a fire. <laughs> a stove. A stove. A yes. stove. Oh, and do you suppose that by chance we'd be able to throw something into the spot and set it on top of the stove at a very low heat and achieve the same effect? Well, here's my argument, because I think you're onto something. I am. And here's my argument that crockpots are created by the devil and that they're full of sin. Okay. <laughs> and here is why. It crockpots, as I like to call them, the petri dish of the food world. And it is like it's a cesspool. It is like a low boiling cesspool of God only knows what, from which you draw you withdraw soggy everything. You are there is nothing that is it is all it's like soggy mush, no matter what you pull out of there. No one no one pulls anything out of a crock pot and is like Oh, here's this, here's this grilled steak, right? Like, here's this. Oh, sure. No, here's no, no. this delicious, like, like, I took yeah. care right now. Okay. The crock I'm pot changing is, name. I'm changing no, name. No, the now. crock pot is the absolute, it's the recliner yes, but it, of the okay. food world. I'll take that, actually. It is the recliner of the, now, do you not like fucking recliners? No, no well, I, I don't. I mean, what's your goddamn, because <laughs> this exposes, food. this exposes an even weirder position that you are anti-recliner. <laughs> like, you look at a lazy boy and you're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck lazy boy. I I I look at a lazy uh, a lazy boy, and you know what I think? I think doom. That's the end of the line. Oh, I'm what? Tell me, the I wasn't the only one that thought of the video game first. It was like That's doom 1995. Oh, doom, Yeah, okay. But here's the point, though. Crockpots, and by extension, apparently a recliner, but <laughs> crockpots in particular. It's like it's nothing good comes out of a crock pot. I disagree. I tell I'm me, I have to disagree. Wh- what? Give me one meal that comes out of a crock pot that that's good. I can give you several. Uh, we're gonna start with the fact that my wife will make chili in a crock pot all the time. Chili comes out delicious, and it's very easy to do. But right? it's like beans just roasting for days. Well, it's it's a day, and they're not roasting, right? But it comes out great. It's uh, can't or, you make that in a pot? Well, here's the thing, though. With the crock like, pot, you, you throw it all together, you turn it on, and you can walk the fuck away. Okay, right? devil's advocate again. Why can't you do that on a stove? Yeah, Dude, like, you don't you don't walk the way from an open pl- flame or well, an exposed well, if it's electric? Okay, it's an electric stove. You don't go to work with your electric stove on. That's a bad call. Well, As opposed the, to an electric element sitting on a counter. What's the difference between it uh, in a crock pot and on an, on an element on a stove? The, oh. the element on the stove is not exposed. 
Or the element on the spo- stove is exposed. The element on the crock pot is not exposed. So what's like the th- like? Is there like? Are you worried that like natural gas like randomly seeks into the apartment and like hits this exposed element and your whole place blows up? No, it's just the stove feels a lot more dangerous than the crock pot does. Really, I am I am not alone in this. But it, but isn't a crock pot by your definition an earthenware pot oh, sitting <laughs> sitting upon the element of man right, right, right like, but, but that element is inside like this other encased right there's insulation on the outside and it doesn't it's not exposed to any like you put your hand underneath the crock pot and it's not warm well it's a little warm but it's not gonna like light anything on fire true I'll give you that but but like here's my so just moving away from the element argument entirely okay crock pots are like the host of like secret stuff. So, like, you don't know what anyone could put in it at any point. It sits out for, like, a day. Like, it, it's, like, God knows what goes in there. Where the fuck are you leaving your crockpots? Like? I, I don't know. <laughs> but I know what, if when I'm making food. You have, you have, like, this secret paranoia that someone else is slipping stuff in your You don't know what goes pot? in it. You can't tell what goes in it. It's weird shit could go in. You never know. If you're the one who put the shit in the crockpot, you know what went in the crockpot. There pot. could be bacteria. There could be anything. You can't know what that. But it's can't not, that happen in a regular pot, too? No, because it heats higher. It heats past the point of back, bacteria. Crockpots don't get that hot. They can. They can. Yeah, but you don't you, you don't keep it that hot all day. No, but you can crank it up to high at the end and boil stuff off. Oh, yeah, but then you... So you have a colony of bacteria and then you boil it off? This is disgusting. This is terrible food. I wouldn't eat that food. That's the worst food. You've got to be kidding me. I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Roast beef. Like, if you have beef, there is one acceptable form of beef. Or two. No, there's, one- <laughs> there are multiple acceptable forms of beef. Steak? Yes. And hamburger. Wait, you were telling me, now we're, we're moving away from crockpots a little bit. You were telling me that like a crown rib roast, you turn your, fuck crown rib roast. Not an acceptable form of beef. It's okay. It's not the best form of beef. Oh, dear God. Really? Over a steak? Oh, A yeah. great steak? Yeah. You, Standing rib roast? My argument is that if you can't, if you can't take, if you can't take meat and like create the ideal kind of meat, with that device, it's an improper device. A crockpot cannot make good steak. It's an improper device that, for meat. It is true that a crockpot cannot make good steak. Okay. I, I will concede that point. Okay. And <clears throat> is it not true that the other meat, the other foods that come out of a crockpot, can also be similarly created in other, in other less, like, gross ways? Like, simmering all day is disgusting. See, I, I disagree. That's a cesspool. I, I just... I don't eat food out of a cesspool. I'm not a, like... I, I a, do not see it I'm not a Brontosaurus Rex or whatever. Like, I, or Tronosaurus Rex. I'd be interesting Rex to see someone culture, culture the insides of a crockpot and see what happened. That would be interesting, actually. I bet you... who Anyone out there who's a scientist person with a Petri dish... Yeah, if you're out there, like, we've had science people we on have. the show. We have. And they would all back me on this. Yeah, clearly. I just I'm taking that sense for no. No, it's disgusting though, isn't it? Like No, it's delicious. I think slowly like here's sitting why, there in the sauce and god. Here's why I would keep an earthenware <laughs> crock pot around. <laughs> Ready? Go ahead. I can make gummy bears with it. Really? I don't think you can. Why not? Why not? Why well, not? How in the fuck would that This work? is my attempt at bringing some closure to this entire goddamn thing. Well, that was a terrible <laughs> that was attempt. A terrible that idea. was a, an embarrassing attempt. You just, yeah, well, that deal. Was, you just took the whole thing uh, right I'm off a fucking cliff. I'm going to drink my gummy bear semen over here. There you, you guys go. can shut the fuck up. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Okay, fine. Mm. We'll have to agree and to disagree on that. Well, you, you, you probably like sauces on your things too, right? 
We were just at Mongolian barbecue. You had sauce all over your thing. That's a one. <laughs> that's a one exception. Oh, now there's an exception. You probably like sauces on your thing. I just watched you eat an entire plate that was covered in fucking sauce. In curry, curry special. I, okay, so if I made curry in a crock pot, you'd be cool with that. Depending on oh the the can't so you it's make on it, now the confusion on his wait, face is wait, real. Can't you make curry without? <laughs> can't you make curry without a crock pot? Is that the only way? These earthenware magical pots of <laughs> India. This is the only way curry could be created. No, but it's a very convenient way to do it, so that you have curry when you get home. But can't you just make curry at the same time that you make everything else? Is curry curry can only be made over a day at a low temperature with bacteria? Well, curry, <laughs> if you have to so like, come home curry. and start your curry. <laughs> Ebola curry is what you're you like. You're not going to do it, right? It's, it's now a choice between What do you mean you're not going to do it? If, you, if the purpose is the curry, <laughs> then you, did you do it. No, 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 no. It's a matter of where, where you're spending your time, right? In the if kitchen. What difference does it make? You have, you have four elements. What, no, you no, can no. only use three at a time? Here, here's the thing, though. The fourth one just doesn't work? The time after you get home from work okay. is... More valuable than the time before you go to work. Not for me. That's, I mean, that's my. I have five minutes before I go to work when I get up. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, no, I have several hours. Oh, well, look at you. See, that's, that's the difference. I certainly don't have several hours. And when I get home, like, I, I, I want to just immediately eat and, like, do whatever I'm going to do and then go to bed. Like, I don't want to spend a lot of time once I get home cooking something. And so the advantage to the crock pot is that it's cooking while I'm off at work. Yeah, right? It takes me maybe five to six minutes to prep it in the morning. And so this isn't, this isn't crock pot versus gourmet prepared meal. Cause you're right. The gourmet prepared meal is going to be better than the crock pot. That's my argument. Thank you. Okay. But my counter argument is that's not the comparison. The comparison is the crock pot is for days when otherwise you'd be grabbing a, ba- a bag of Mickey D's on the way home. Okay. Well, here's and my. And so the comparison is not between the crock pot and the expertly prepared meal it took you a couple hours to make. It's between the crock pot and stopping by for a greasy cheeseburger on your way back. And so, here's, our, here's where we divide, though. Because if I want immediacy with my food, I just go to a restaurant after work. So right, that's what I'm saying. There's a, yeah, there's but like, a, I don't go to like... My, but my immediacy isn't like McDonald's or crock pot chill, like chili. It's like, oh, I'll go to a restaurant that has chili. I don't... You know, that's so my argument. There's, there. there's a triangle here. Uh, between <laughs> really there is like you know when you, you look at something with properties you have for this it'll be uh we've talked about the safety the convenience and w- how gourmet it can be right, <laughs> right. and actually I, I'm, I'm, gonna, not really, I'm gonna break in i'm not even remotely on the same i'm page going to guys. tie this into genre fiction wait for this oh, and then God, we're going to our serious topic good. okay this go. Is, here, here we go because uh, <laughs> i was talking to a, a buddy of mine manny frischberg he's an editor for a horror magazine he's great love manny love the guy um and he's doing a lot of freelance editing for a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And he has crock a pot. list of three things that he responds to the people he's doing the editing for. Do, do you like a crock pot? Number it's, one? It is this. You can have it fast, sure. cheap, good, pick two. It's like, a, it's like your love life. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you can have it fast and good. Sure. But it ain't going to be cheap. Yeah. You can have it cheap and good. Ain't going to be fast. Yeah. You can have it fast and cheap, ain't going to be good. Fast, cheap, good, pick two. That's really good. There was another... That's, I think that's where you were going with this. Yep, yep. Right? Yep. You can only pick two. You can pick of, two out of the three. Yeah. So my choice is never the one that entails the crockpot. Yeah. <laughs> the other two are always a superior choice. That's my yeah. argument. Yeah. So with a restaurant, you are choosing fast and good. Yes. But not cheap. Yes. 
That's I mean that's the choice. Yes. <laughs> and I'm willing with that's I'm absolutely I I have no qualms with that choice. I feel very strongly in that that choice. In fact, I prefer that choice. People bringing me food is my preferred method of getting food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I and then people taking the dishes away and I don't have to do them again. Preferred way of <laughs> dealing with dishes. So, really, one of these days we're going to have you over for dinner and we're not going to tell you it was a crockpot. I'll know. <laughs> I'll sense it. I, I bet not. Yeah, I will. I'll be like, I smell bacteria in here. <laughs> you smell bacteria in here? <laughs> Your nose is so fucking finely tuned that you can pick up the presence of bacteria. Well, it's sorry okay to, to, be uh, it's sorry okay to, to be spoil your uh, surprise there, Grant, but you're going to smell that all the fucking time. I yeah. do. By the way, what are you smelling right now? <laughs> Both bacteria. Both of you guys. Because we're in Cheeseburger Guy's apartment, yeah. and he had to spend the last couple of hours before we got here cleaning, cleaning. up. And for those of you not watching, I have air quotes up right fucking now. <laughs> What is clean and there is, there is no furniture in this place, by the way. I have to bring folding chairs to do these recording sessions. There's no fucking furniture. The dude has, like, nothing in his kitchen. There is nothing in this apartment, so I can only assume that well, it's a he was hauling dead hookers out of here before we got here. Well, it's the, it, it's the, it's the quintessential bachelor pad. He has an awesome computer set up. He has an awesome computer set up. three screens, a gigantic TV, and awesome video game things, and then, like, workout movies and a huge claymore. This is like the <laughs> this is the Viking bachelor pad. It really yeah. is. This is the bachelor pad. Though a beanbag might be incoming. Okay, so there's a beanbag couch store up in the mall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that like those big sumo? The gigantic ones. Yes, I want one of those so badly. Oh my god, it was the best couch mm-hmm. I've ever uh-huh. sat on. No, it's a, those are amazing. That's actually it was, I was like thinking. it was like I was on a cloud. Yeah. No, those, I was looking at those. I mean, I was looking at an actual couch, too, because, you know, it helps tie the place together. You know, there's... Well, it's so... For a date, like, you with with the beanbag, I mean, like, what do you do? Baby, just lay on my bag with me? I mean, you have to... No, no, no. You say lay on my sack, because that will either elicit... Whoa, 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 Hold on. It will do one of two things. It'll either elicit laughter or discomfort, and if she's uncomfortable, she can leave. (laughs) There is a third thing, and it is painful. That's true. <laughs> well, if you're talking about that one, yes. You should actually do it. <laughs> okay, sit down. What? I want to, oh, God! Yeah, that's, that would be my concern. Well, well, again, some people, not me, but some people. So then let's talk then about... <laughs> let's, let's lead this into to a bit of, of actual serious actual content. Actual serious here. content. All right, here we go. So this is part one of two, though, or probably more of the parts, but at least part one. At this least is, part this one. Is part one. Part one, which is history. History as part of world building. Yes, yes. Now this is this is an interesting one, um, because if you're if you're really building a fantasy world or even a sci-fi world, sure, you've got an entire culture or set of cultures mm-hmm. that you have to come up with. Well, and I feel like we should preface it starting at this point as well. Yes. Okay. I feel like we should preface it as, are you a fan of heavy history or are you a fan of like, eh, you know, the history, like where do you sit in the enjoying the history as part of the story? Okay. I have two positions on this. Okay. That's, um, not, that's not a very concrete. Like well, it is. It is. Okay, okay. It is when I get down to it. Uh, my position on it as a writer. Go ahead. Is that I write urban fantasy so that I don't have to do a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that said, we are, we're just starting work on a gunpowder fantasy where we've really had to do a lot of world sure, building. Sure. Okay. And so 
it's it's a whole different ball game, right? Like, okay, that's why we started with urban fantasy. It's like we are going to start with the easiest thing we could possibly write, just to see if we can get some novels out there and published, and then we'll go, we'll tackle the then you'll tackle stuff. the beast, yeah. Um, and so now we're tackling world building, and it's it's going uh, interestingly. Um, but, that's heavily what I do. Ah, okay. Because I write epic. Right, right, right. You you go. And I'm a history major. The, I'm a history minor. Oh, are you? I'm a classics minor. Uh, I've got. A We're double, learning about each other. I have here. a double minor in history and philosophy. <laughs> Do you? I could see that. Yeah. Well, particularly as a lawyer. Yeah. Well, philosophy. Like, actually, what I did was look at my degree and go, "What the fuck can I do with this?" And <laughs> whatever lawyer was basically whatever. What <laughs> well, what everybody does who has a history and philosophy degree, you yeah. like go to the little pie chart, right? And it's like percentage well, of people who major are, in literary studies, minor in history and philosophy. As a reader, I like the heavy history. Good. I, I get into the heavy history, and I'll tell you that the two authors that I like to, uh, I, uh, I, I like the heavy history, and the, the one I really get into, and I've been into for like the last year, is the Bujold Vorkosigan stuff. I don't know if you've read any of that. I don't believe I have. You should. Because it's sci fi with heavy history backstory. Like, is it actual history or second story? Uh, it's like second world history. Like, like uh, history from like, it starts with actual history, but sure. it's been several thousand years. And oh, she's so filled in the gaps. Yeah, it's it's you've taken that ball and you've run right okay. down the field a little and bit, and you've you've and it's got this very very heavy sense of of history that she has built her cultures around. So sure. each each planet that got colonized got colonized in a different way by a different set of people, and they grew up with this history. And so all of these planets have their different cultures and subcultures, and the the history acts as a vehicle. To figure out what the people are going to be like now. Sure. Right? And it, and so her, her main planet, Barriar, is this planet where, um, they go out and they, they colonize a planet. Yeah. And very in the early stages of people going out and colonizing things. Mm hmm. And then basically the rest of the galaxy loses track of them for about 600 years. And, and they're cut off and isolated. So it's North Korea. Right, well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it has some North Korea-like tendencies, right? It becomes kind of militaristic, sure. and it, you know... They have one book. They don't have much technology, right? They're, they're all running around with horse cavalry and... Sure, yeah. That sort of thing, does. because, because they, you know, they have the ship they came in on, and then a bunch of hand tools, and that's what they have. So, yeah, they're back... They've actually they're, progressed to the past. Right. In a way. Right, right. Well, then the rest of the galaxy catches up with them, and the first thing that the galaxy does is invade and occupy... <laughs> And so then the, for, they spend 20 years as gorillas. Sure. Which eventually drives their occupiers nuts and their occupiers leave. And then they immediately decide, well, that's not going to happen again. And so they bec become this militaristic standoffish country or planet. Yeah. Right. And so that, that whole sense of history and you've got like what the generation was like two generations ago, what the generation was like last generation and what sure. this generation's like. And it evolves as the galaxy cracks open this little egg. Well, let's talk about the evolution of putting this into a story then. And, and so that, that's, but that's, that's kind of like the end result that you're going sure, for. Sure. Is that yeah. kind of beautiful. That depth. Right. That really, yeah, that vibrant feel. So the question is then, where, with yours, so for instance, I start, let's start at the starting point. Okay. I start actually, as, as most people did, with a map. And the reason why is I heavily, I, I'm a huge fan of geographic determinism. Really? And, yeah. Okay. In part because it was my ma what my thesis was in college. Okay. But it also um, it's a really interesting um, starting point. Shorthand because we got a lot of writing people out there, but not 
necessarily a lot of history people out sure. there. Geographic determinism would be the theory that the the land and the climate and those geographical features of where Correct. you're living are the things that influence your culture and your history. Exactly. Don't so, you actually use a map, uh, like a, a randomizer when you're doing some of the world building? Well, so I actually built my world. Yeah, I mean, some people do. So some people yeah. start, you can start in one, one you know, and now this is, I'm going to talk about my approach. I think anybody could approach it with any way. Work, yeah, yeah, I, my approach them. is different. I'll get to okay, mine, you so, get yours. So this is this has been my my approach. I started with a map, and the map evolved. And the first draft of the map, um, I needed the geography to make sense. So I needed the, you know, I didn't want, I wanted the geographic regions to be as geologically it would have, it would make sense. Like, so I don't have like, like jungle without having like mountains that would like with prevailing winds. Right, now, right, Now that's right, just right. me because I wanted to actually have those connections to people on a very basic level. So like for instance, seasons, the further north or south south you get the more exaggerated. The more, the more exaggerated. So so I actually incorporate those and I incorporate the cultures accordingly. Which is not necessarily true if your planet is not at a tilt with respect to the sun. That's exactly the case. I mean, yeah. So you you, you could play with that. Well I purposely chose not to. Okay. And it was an active choice. And the reason I actively chose not to is because in my second world fantasy I'm dealing with so many things that are not similar to Earth. That I want some very common anchors to cheat. Right. And so um, I didn't want to make it so right, no, right. Everything should be the same unless it's not for a reason. Exactly the case. Yeah. And so, and that's very much the case here. And so I start there and then I take it and I'm like, here is the big problems, right? The mega fantasy problems that are going yeah. on. Here is the mythos and how it's interacting. And here are some very, very big events that's happened in the past. And um, now how then would people in these regions deal with that and how then would the other people deal with that and then how would i do this and i just keep going this and then this and then how would they deal with this and i slowly build out and i'm like well now you know they're resource poor so they conflict here and so over the course of this i have um i look at these these are kind of the stressors that people have well what what it what kind of cultures have that stressors here so for instance let's take uh the egyptians and the mesopotamian civilizations right the Egyptian math worked. The yes. Mesopotamian math did not. Right. And the, the reason for that, predominantly by historians, is that the Nile floods very regularly. So they have a, they're, they're used to a regular kind of system. That, that's how they understand the world, because science is only just trying to understand the world, including math initially. Right. And the Babylonian system, mathematic system, was chaotic. Because the Tiber and the Euphrates... They flood, yeah, they flood randomly. And so their understanding of that was not the same. And so if you take those kinds of things and you develop a culture based on that, which is what I did at the, at the nest, and I take that and you run with it, by the time they get to things like large government institutions and particularly histories and rituals and things like that, and you introduce some questions, um, it creates some great diversity. Sure. And so, so that's how I developed the cultures. And then out of the cultures, I developed the political landscape, somewhat to serve the story, obviously, and then somewhat to serve the plot. Right. And then as I withdraw this and tie it into the main questions mm. that are going on, um, and I actually write the story. Right. Then I go back and I look at the map again, because no matter how much of the history is there, and you want it to feel deep, at least I do. I want it to feel deep. I want it to feel rich. I want it to feel right. like there's a layer upon a layer upon a layer. You may not see all that, but you know that this is there. Um, I uh, I also need it to match the story. So the story still has to be true. Yes. So when I'm writing the story, I was like, this map needs to change. 
right? Yes. And so you, that was my very recent, like, I'm in the rewrite phase of the first everything. Uh-huh. And so I'm going through the first rewrite of the book, and I'm going through the first rewrite of the history to kind of, you know, these ideas that are correlating, I'm bringing them down. And then I'm looking at the map, and I'm like, this map needs to change. Yes. And so it changed. And then that has Ripple's effect. So you go and you fix all that stuff. I don't, you know, you don't need to go necessarily, and I want to recommend anybody go to the point to where you're naming every building anywhere. Oh, Jesus There's Christ, no man. point, you know, you name what you have to. Right. But naming's another topic. But that's how I approach mine. How do you approach yours? I do it in exactly the reverse direction. Okay. You do story first. And I, you're a George R. Martin fan, like, uh, approach? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that George takes that approach, but. Oh, really? No, I, I haven't studied how he does this. I mean, he's got an amazing history, but I start with what I want the world to be like right now. Like what, what okay. I want my starting situation to be. Mm-hmm. Right. I know that, you know, the character that I'm writing is coming from a land where the nobility has gotten a little bit out of control, is a little bit pompous and poisoned and has looked down on the peasants. And there's sure. a big gap and divide between the, the, peasant culture and the nobility culture so new york right well a little <laughs> bit yeah okay um i was more kind of loosely taking uh like 1400s 1500s spain as a model i understand what you're saying yeah um, and so i start with that idea okay right and then i try to figure out how it got there Right, because I want the culture to be like that. Because this is the culture I want my my character moving through. So, like, this is what I want now. How do I get here? Right. How did it come here? So you're reverse right? engineering. I am reverse engineering, and so I don't disagree with you about geographic determinism. Sure, certainly yeah. that's a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so well, you're still employing it though. You're just doing it in reverse. Right. 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 Yeah. And so I start with that, and I'm like, okay, so what does the country look like? Yeah, what would it need? What would it need to? What would it need to, to for this here? culture to How be did this way? How this culture yeah. get this way? Yeah. Yeah, like um, you can't have a really rich mountainous country with no I, fertile groundland. I, I, I like everything to serve the story that I want to tell. Sure. And I knew the story that I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the country I wanted to tell it in. Oh, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair right. enough. And so instead of starting with the map and starting with the world, and this is the world that I have, and eventually as I drop this world and I drop this map and I figure out all these cultures, a story will come to me. Mm-hmm. Right, I had a story, and I need to build the world from it. Well, and I think this is this is very interesting because um, for me, as much as I love my history, you notice how much I start the other way. Right. Surprisingly, my history is the second tier for me, and here's why: because um, the the main throw through like kind of through lines for my story are things that no matter where you are. Like, I want my story to have the same human common. Yes. So, so as a result of that, like, I'm afraid of being eaten. Like, it doesn't matter if you're right. resource poor, resource rich land. Like, I have a mansion. Right. Or I have a little hut. I still don't want to be eaten. Right. So, like, right. that's like, those are the kind of like guiding principles. So the history for me still is a little less, despite my, my no, history no, no, heavy and, approach, and ironically enough. I, I like the history heavy approach. Sure, like that, sure. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and there's nothing oh, no, wrong I'm mortally with, offended. with using it. I'm, <laughs> you know? I'm just but joking. It, it's just a matter of, you know, you, you, you've got these cultures and you can pull it. Your end result really for me is the culture, right? That's yeah. The, that's the goal. That's the thing that you have that you can use to tell a story because that's going to affect every character that's in that culture, right? True. They're all going to have been born and raised with a certain set of base ideas 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely the case. Yeah. Right. Now, how they deal with those ideas and how they use those ideas are different from character to character, right? You don't sure. want to, at the risk of sounding negative of an author I actually really like, you don't want to David Eddings this thing. I enjoy David Eddings. So what do you mean? Go on, I, explain I like that. David Eddings I love lot. David Eddings. Yeah. I love David Eddings a lot. Sure. But he takes it a little too far. Oh, like the people are absolutely... T- yeah. Right. No, that's very... Yeah, you are... Drasnians are all this. This are all sneaky little bastards. Yeah. If you are a Drasnian, you are a sneaky little bastard. And if you're from Cherik, you are. You are. You're Barak. Yeah. You are a big uh, fur-wearing, beer-swelling. There is very little. There is very little diversity. The diversity in the in in the Belgarad is based on where you come from, not who you are. Right. Is what your argument is. That's right. Well, I mean, he even goes as far as to say that. For instance, Silk is guess, trying to get place where Garen is in that world. Right. Based on, like, not you are this kind of person. It's like, no, no, you're not Cherik. You are you're not. Riven. You are Riven. <gasps> right. What do you mean I'm Riven? And that's the foreshadowing for him later being. And a, now, now yeah. he's got some very good reasons for it being like that, right? I mean, all well, the these, gods are right, the, the gods of the are gods. the ones they've, yeah. have, they've raised. And so all of them they're reflection the gods, of the gods. And, yeah. But it, it, it comes off a bit racist. Well, he is, uh, he's straight up, like, that's not even a, right. That's not even an undertone. No. <laughs> like, that's just, that's the, right. Yeah. And he, he does it in both the, the Belgariad world and the Elenium world, right? There's that same. Yeah. I, I'm curious which one you think it's more. Uh, it's more in the Belgariad world. I would say you're probably right. There's, there's a little bit more of a blur. In terms of you've got this overriding church in the Elenium world, and so a lot of the the countries that are into that church have different ticks, but are very similar. Yeah, it's true. Like Lamarck Land isn't right. Isn't particularly different from, you know, right. You know the other places there. Arcanium, I think, is one of them. Right, Arcanium and Elenium. Elenium and, and yeah. Well, and then well, I mean, well, with the Temule though. Right. Well, once you get into the Tamul, you get that same sort of racial thing. No, you do because they, well, and the gods are different there. The minute right. gods are apparently gods to him are the are the divine line. Right. And, and you can actually see that. Like he starts with the religion and he builds everything from there. He I'm pretty does. sure that's what David Eddings does. That was very heavily the case. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you hell the prefaces of all his books are religious texts. Yes. Right. Here is, you know, we're going to open with a reading from the Book of Alorn. That's mm-hmm. that's the preface to that's actually how i start all prophecy. it's actually how i start all of my dates <laughs> yeah yeah how's that worked out for you <laughs> it's not been good <laughs> right no it works yeah 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 good Bible. because they have no the girlfriend option. is very excited about that approach yeah yeah does she open to you as a fur as a furlough to a plow <laughs> what is this <laughs> <laughs> I believe I'm not even responding to any of that. The, um, but no, so, the world building Firefly reference. Yes, I, I, okay. just, I yeah, yeah. I, I just thought I'd just let. I, th- I think that I think the strength of that reference just sits on its own there. Okay, right? but um, yeah. So I don't know. The, the main things that catch me though with history, and I'd say with with my story because we're talking about his, um, using history, is it's useful to have history with a backstory to have conflict. Yes. And I think that it's, it's, it's underused in some cases. Yes. Is you, it, it's very helpful to put in tension between countries over things that countries have tension over, which is very heavily resource-based. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you start focusing on countries 
Um, one of the main elements that I have is they are resource. Some are resource rich and support. Now, now the reader doesn't necessarily give a shit about the economy of Belosia, which is the name of my country. But it's going to give your characters a depth. But the characters function in this world, and the fact that they just function in this world, you know, it and elevates the, that. The thing with that, if, if I can add on that, you will always have tension between whatever country you have that's the opposition country. Sure, and yeah. the, I mean, you know, if you've got, you know, your villain is in control of bad guy country and, you know, good guy country is out to stop him, fine, whatever. But... If you want to get a little more nuanced, yeah, right, you can have your country where some great evil is right. Right, if you're writing epic fantasy, you have some great evil somewhere. Yeah, someone's got a stronghold. Right, someone's got a stronghold, and, and it's it's a bad place, which I which I possess. Right, yeah. Um, Though it's not the, quite what you think. The more ahead. interesting thing, and I'm gonna, I'm going to reference Tolkien on this one, who was big on history. Well, he started. Yeah. he started there. Yeah. It starts he, there. He and started it goes, there huge. It started there. He's the opposite of, of. Apparently, Martin said he just he puts in stuff when he needed to initially. Right. right. Now different, but T- Tolkien is. There was a world, but first there was a language first. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of things first. Yeah. Um. And so, what's interesting about him is not so much the big bad country, right? The the Sauron and Mordor, and that's the black, and there's you know our heroes who are the white. But then you get, like, the tension between Rohan and Gondor. Yeah, which is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Right? Both, of these, both of these are countries who are on the quote-unquote good guy's side. Tension between allies? Tension between allies is amazing. Well, because it rings true. Right. Because, mm. you know... Because we all watched what happened to Britain and France in the two world wars. Yeah. Yep. And we still ally with France. Right. And, 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 our t- and then we rename our French fries. Yeah. Freedom fries. Freedom fries. Well, to be fair... <laughs> I mean, come on. Look up, look up great French victories. I've very done. Really? Recently? Well, not recently, no, but within the last, you know, 100 Since years. Since Napoleon, yeah. Within the last 100 years. Really? 99. Really? Yeah. Really? Verdun? You don't think Verdun was a great victory? Wait, 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 history major. My history stops at Rome, and then it goes to World War II. And then it, then I okay. stop caring. Fucking look up Verdun, and you'll realize that the French were a bunch of hardcore bastards in it's, World War One. It's nice, yeah. Right. I'll give you that. I mean, you don't fuck with the French army in World War One. They were hard fucking hey, core. Maggi- they'll, they'll throw a million men in to die just to hold one piece of ground. Hey, Maggio line. Look, the Maggio line was a great defensive. It line. was fantastic. It worked great. It look not one single German crossed the national line. It doesn't need to when you can go around it. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant move. Even yeah, it's a brilliant tactical move. Right, right. We're gonna put a gate right here. What about the fence? Eh, don't need to worry about it. Well, well you right. know, to be fair, it's not as if Germany didn't do the same thing twice. The Schlieffen <laughs> plan, which is what they did in World War One. They just did it again. They were like, oh. well, no, no, no. The so it worked so well the first time. The Schlieffen plan was them hooking through Belgium, not going through the Ardennes. I mean, it's too different. True, but still, right. it's more or less the same. Right. It's it's the we're not going to fight you on the Alsace-Lorraine border. That's and, my point. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I, too, like to put a lot of security on my attic door for my house, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's how I keep all the invaders out of my house. I just put it on the attic door. I don't worry about the back door. Or right. the front door. Well, that's, uh, they were worrying about the front door. They just weren't worrying about the back, and that was a problem. 
there's a there's a joke in there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> oh, hey, uh, yeah. just, hey oh. But yeah, no. Um, so yeah, conflict with 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 allies. It's a useful element. For it me. is. It is a hugely useful element to to work in because you can get that again. Any layer of conflict you can have in a story, and you should have multiple because, like for instance, I think it's even important. Like I like characters and stories where there's even the good natured. Yes. Like for instance, like America Canada conflict. Yeah. Which is not really conflict. I mean, but it is. Yeah. I mean, it's conflict. It's conflict like like two siblings have conflict. Right. It's not like right, but it's still conflict. Exactly, and it's great because it gives characters an opportunity to complain at each other about something. Right. No. A- anytime you can have a layer of conflict, you should add it because conflict is interesting and resolution is boring. This is very true. I mean, yeah. that's just a rule of thumb. Like, if you can get people to fight about something, do it. Well, based on that, I've had a lot of really interesting relationships. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I and here's the thing: you don't watch soap operas about <laughs> married couples. I don't watch had a great soap operas in general. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is, like, the soap opera doesn't have. And here's a bunch of married couples who have been married for 50 years and very happy with it. Right? That's, That's not what you see. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. And so, yeah, you know, you've had a bunch of interesting relationships. Well, they were. That makes it a lot more fun in right. a way for story. I mean, yeah. living through it, maybe not. <laughs> so I'm not sure there we'll are just, pros and cons. We'll, just, we'll let that one we'll be. We'll just leave that. Yeah. We'll let that one but the, lie. But in terms of looking through as a third person, you want to see people fight, right? I do love... You know, you want to see people love get, on, fights. get yeah. on Jerry Springer and start throwing chairs at each other. The problem with Jerry Springer, though, and I think we're gonna, I think we really tied it in here with the history of Jerry Springer, <laughs> is the problem with Jerry Springer is it, it oftentimes feels contrived, and you don't want that contrived feeling no. with conflict in a story. No. Whereas when you see an actual couple fight, yes, particularly an old couple, yes. Yeah. You know there's so much depth, and that's the importance of putting history in a story. Yep, you get that richness, right? Right. You know, and when they start referencing things, you know, oh, because you're so good with directions, right? You know, you know that means something, right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so good. So in these, uh, to kind of circle this around here, we talked a, a decent amount about the history sure. as part of the world building. And it can come or it can come from several different elements. I know initially when I thought of world building, I was actually thinking of geographical and that can be important uh, in some regards. Which you go to part two. Yeah. Um, but we also talked about how, uh, you know, uh, religious, uh, influence or even language can really determine how a culture starts developing what their cadence is. Because again, referencing, uh, like Tolkien, the elven language, very smooth, very, it, it kind of, it's almost, uh, like how French just kind of rolls and it keeps rolling. And you see in their movements and how they, uh, they accent themselves. It's all very similar in that regard. So you're able to take any of those elements and make it influence influential into that culture, which is really, really important. One of the neat tricks with that is, uh, and when you have a history of things, is you imply in that like a like kind of national ethos or a cultural ethos. Yes. For instance, to where the language purposely has or does not have words for certain things. Yes. And that immediately adds some depth. Like, for instance, if you have a culture that does not have a word for surrender, as in it's not part of a cultural identity, Mm -hmm. which means it's not a concept that they actually understand. Right. Right. That makes a very, very dangerous enemy, Mm -hmm. you know, versus a culture that has like, you know, well, we have measured wins, right? You know, like that's not, you know, that's not a... For for those of you who are thinking, well, that seems like an extreme society. That's Japan in World War II. That I mean, absolutely. Yep. That's exactly what it is. I mean, they oh. had a word for failure, but not for surrender. <laughs> that is exactly true. 
And which actually, the last thing in brain will tie it in for part two, which is that history, I argue, is an important part in naming and involving ge- geographic locations. You're not wrong. Absolutely. We're going to go over a commercial, which I'm sure everybody will love. Everybody loves our commercials so far. I've been hearing nothing but great things about yeah. them from like the, our three listeners. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And after those commercials, commercial, singular, we will be right back with you. You've tried coffee and caffeinated sodas. You've tried energy drinks, teas, and little bottles of energy. And even though you're shaking like Southern California on a bad day, you still feel worn out and tired. Fear not. Introducing Sun Don't Shine Suppositories. Feel the rush as the caffeine, taurine, B6, B12, and B52 skip your stomach and enter your bloodstream directly through the thin walls of your colon. Monday blues? early morning dreariness just remember you can take that tired feeling and stick it where the sun don't shine welcome back to three (laughs) (laughs) i hate you all this is this is three episodes now where I have not been able to come back from a commercial without this sense of paranoia lingering over the top of my head. This time we didn't even do anything. It's like Pavlov's dog. Just... Uh, it's amazing. Uh, so we've come back from a commercial break and we've uh, found a victim slash honored guest with which to... Six of one. <laughs> uh, so Cat Rambo, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, it, uh, I don't know because they keep looming over my shoulder <laughs> with the Pavlovian, hey, you're doing bad. You're doing bad, guys. So I imagine as the day wears on, we'll be all right. We'll be good. <laughs> We're slowly getting there. <laughs> slowly, yes. Uh, Kat, uh, thanks for coming on and joining us. Uh, esteemed guest that we have here. Kat, what are what are some of the projects that you're lighting up right now and that you're looking to uh, get out to the public? I am finishing up my second novel, uh, which is the sequel to my first novel, uh, obviously, uh, which came <laughs> out in April from Wordfire Press, uh, which is Kevin J. Anderson's uh, lovely press. Um, I have a second, I have a new collection coming out, I believe, in next uh, January or February. It'll be another uh, two-sided uh, story collection, this time all fantasy stories called mm. Neither Here Nor There. Um and I just finished the Sifwa cookbook recently, which I co-edited with Fran Wild, which was a very cool, fun project, although sort of a pain in the ass. Um, I always have lots of Sifwa stuff going because I am president of the Science Fiction Fantasy Writers of America, uh, so I can shill that at the drop of a hat. Um, that's pretty much it. And I, I teach classes. I'm working on a new round of classes that I'm, I'm setting up right now, and I'm doing my first canned class, which I'm, I'm kind of excited about where people can actually go access it sort of at their leisure and work through the exercises as they will instead of having to cater to my schedule. Oh, my oh. God. This is, one of the, this is one of those times where I feel like a little guilty that our guest is slumming it. When <laughs> right. Like we're, we're already uh, two minutes in. We're inferior. We're completely <laughs> inferior, and I feel like no, no. Frog actually is already bowing down. So what uh, I want to say is, very, very soon, I am washing my car, and it's, it's like my <laughs> list of things that are looming above. No, the uh, 
What I'm intrigued by the idea of the Sifa cookbook. Oh yeah. What uh, one? I have no idea this was a thing. And then two, are they like actual recipes that are like themed, or are they just like Sifa writers make lasagna? I, 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 I guess I don't I'm going to detach for two seconds in order to lean down and grab a copy. Oh okay. Well, detaching is always good. It's a good thing for us to do every once in a while. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. It is a thing. Uh, this is actually the third cookbook that Sifla has done in over the course of its fifty years of existence. Really. Uh, Yes, the first two were done by Ian McCaffrey. Oh, wow. my gosh. Yes, yes, and you can actually find them on Amazon if you want to find them. They're, they're kind of funny because they're like, it's clear that she's just like slapped in whatever sort of uh, material they, they, they included with the recipe because it's like, you know, there'll be stuff like, you know, hi, Anne, how are you? Bruce is fine. You know, here's my recipe. Noodles. <laughs> 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 those would be amazing to read. Oh, God. So those aren't available in electronic form, but ours is, and it has recipes from – we have the, the only recipe that William Gibson knows, uh, which he said he got from Neil Stevenson, uh, which is a, for us a Mexican breakfast uh, egg thing called Migas. Oh, uh, yeah, have, Migas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, how to host a spring pig roast. There's actually a little essay on how to do that. It has all the sort of practical details you know you need. Okay, new three on Wiseman marketing thing. We're getting this book, we're reading that, and then we're hosting a spring pig roast. Oh, there you go. That'd I mean, be amazing. We've got a ton of stuff. We've got all sorts of... Uh, I'm only half joking yeah. about this. <laughs> I'm not joking at all. I would love it. I would love a roast. <laughs> Well, count me in, and I, I'll provide a copy of the book for you. Oh, that'd awesome. be amazing. Uh, what's your – in the process of this, was there any, like – do you have any, like, food prejudice that you were like, you just, oh, this recipe didn't make it in. <laughs> this one slipped underneath. Or, or <laughs> like, yeah. I, I really hate omelets. I don't know. Well, like, we've already gotten pig roast, and so veg, vegan is right out. <laughs> <laughs> Vegan's out of the list. No, it, it tries to cater – like, the theme is parties. Oh, right? okay. Oh, okay. It's anniversary, so actually we've got – uh, a section on uh, savory snacks, and then a section on sweet snacks, and then one on kind of like how to throw various parties, uh, like the pig roast, or how to host an uh, Irish coffee bar at a convention written by Larry Niven, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, and then we do have some funny ones at the end, like Jim Hines contributed barbecued elf ribs, and Mari Ness did like how to stew an alien. And, and yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Which one really like now? I'm, I like how we like you have like, like what like two hundred short stories out or something, right? Like, <laughs> I don't, and what we're intrigued by is what does a barbecue yeah, elf taste yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, like she has a, like a novel out. She has her sequel coming out. We're like, so I'd like to talk about the recipes. <laughs> but the uh, we have a particular obsession with food. We like on food, like, yeah. Voss comes on. We don't talk about his books. We talk about we talk the fact about, that he's got culinary training. Yeah, it was amazing. Textured, uh, textured uh, food. Yeah. Is what he was talking about. Yeah. So the question I have is, which one of those like, like, would you would just want to do? Is there one that just came out that you're like, I'm like, I've got to do this like alien barbecue or whatever? Well, I did some of them. I still need to try the Gibson Migas. I haven't I haven't done that yet because mm-hmm. um, I was one of the the food testers. So I did work through about I don't know twenty or thirty of these. Oh wow. Um. There is, oh, where is it? There's like a Maryland crab cake one that looks really good. 
and then there's uh I do love crab cakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it looks t- it looks really tasty. And crab cakes are one of those things that if they're done well, they're amazing, and if they're done poorly, they're, so they're just disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's a hit or miss scenario. There so, is no like mediocre crab. Cake. So basically, seafood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In general, yeah. I mean, how do you? Yeah, bad seafood is bad news. Sure. I mean, you, you can have like fish sticks that are just mediocre, right? There, eh, whatever. I used to live in Baltimore, so I have high standards for crabs. Mm. Oh, uh, that's reasonable. We, well, we have decency food well, here. If we're Decent on the freaking Puget yeah. Sound, like, like, right. oh yeah, Baltimore knows what's up with seafood. No, screw Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically waiting for an opportunity to represent the east side, right? The east side of the, of the country. I see what's happened here. Uh, so, that, so that's the cookbook, which we just put out for uh, the, the Nebulas, because this is our 50th year of existence. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, sure. It's a celebration. And this was my first experiment in doing a project like this. And I managed to leave out five or six people who are now pissed at me. Sure, and, sure. <laughs> so you're in a leadership role, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. Wow, so people um, actually got mad about not being... In the Sifwa cookbook. I, I had a couple of people get a little pissy about it. Really? Know? Yeah. And, you know, writers are good at being kind of real passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Like, if I ever make it big, my contribution to the cookbook would be like Grant's amazing toast recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what I do? You know what I do? What would you do? Something in a crock pot, asshole. Oh <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. So we're going to, Kat, you are um, the Since wisest of anyone who's ever been around us. She's so, the only person around us that's compiled a cookbook. A cookbook. So you're going to be the definitive judge here, okay? We have a, uh, an, I don't like crock pots. And Frog thinks they're useful. And we have a back and forth. Are you a fan of food that comes out of a crock pot? Like, or would you prefer that food made in a in a in a more humane device? Well, or is the crockpot a functional tool in the kitchen? <laughs> my argument isn't that the crockpot's the most tasty food; it's that it's very useful. Yeah, but my, my basically my argument is that there there should never be a crockpot. Yeah, you didn't have that as a leading question at all, Grant. So, Cat, <laughs> what is what is your opinion of crockpots? I, I actually like crockpots. Suck it down. Oh. <laughs> I'm defeated. They're useful. They're very useful. You throw stuff in in the morning, and this then you go away, and you write for hours, and then you come back, and there's you know food. It's awesome. Frog is celebrating. Oh, you right wanna, now. if you saw the the just jubilant like expression you'd have yeah. here, you would be as disgusted as I am now, right now. <laughs> to the other the other part of this that I do want to ask is. Have you ever heard of a crockbot being referred to as earthen? Earthenware. It's earthenware. Yeah, how would you do so It's an earthenware yeah. pot. Yeah, it is. It, well, I mean, it, oh. there are different kinds, right? Suck there's it down the, a second time, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We had a, you'll understand when you hear that part. Because we had a very, he started describing crockpots. He starts off with this description of this earthenware. Like, it's the most elegant of all descriptions. Like, it's like this most over-the-top description of a crockpot you've ever heard. Yeah, it was earthenware. And then when he said... I just called it earthenware. Like, I didn't... It wasn't that over-the-top. I just called See, it an earthenware there's a difference pot. between earthen and earthenware. When you say earthenware together... I'm not talking to either one of you guys anymore. So the... Um, <laughs> 
So the question I have then is... This may have gotten a little heated. You are also, Kat, known for fantastic hair color choices throughout the year. Mm-hmm. This is true. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, in the picture here for Skype, you have fantastic color choices. I do, for it. I do. Yeah, and it's a thing per con. It is a thing. Yeah, yeah. there's a discussion, in fact. At Worldcon, <laughs> I believe she was rocking a blue... Yes. Yeah, I was doing all. I did all yeah. blue at Worldcon. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think you were pinkish in in uh, in Norwestcon. Uh, yes. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you were though. So what's the like? What's it like? Do you like get a panel together for this? Like, and you like, <laughs> like, how, like how does that come to be? Like, okay. Choice? Okay. So so one of two things happens. Mm. Uh, one is, it, and this has happened. I post on my blog, and I'm like, "Here's a bunch of colors. You guys tell me what you want me to be for Worldcon or whatever con it is." And that's usually if I'm like doing something like a writeathon or raising money for some place, and mm. then I'll I'll get people extra votes if they're sponsoring me. Um, mm. Or I will go into Sally Beauty Supply and I will look at all the colors there, and I'm go, "Oh, that looks cool." <laughs> <laughs> Bring home five or six and then combine those with the 20 or so odd half-used tubes that are floating around uh, pretty much. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, no, it's it's always a thing. Yeah. It's like a like there's discussions about it. Like what's cat? <laughs> You're like the trendsetter of, of the of the cod hair. They're, they're betting well, pools. It's, <laughs> it's, got, it's gotten very trendy now. And so, yes. you know, it's like one of those things where it's like I was doing this 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had pink hair before it was cool. <laughs> are, you, are you basically telling us now that you're like the hipster of hair color? Is that the- <laughs> well, so I'll put that on my business card, the hipster of hair. CIFWA president slash hipster of hair. <laughs> <laughs> They're both very honorable titles. Very, very, very vulnerable. Yeah. I say screw the CIFWA thing. <laughs> <laughs> you just get to the nuts and bolts of it. Right. Boil it down. Can, I, can I ask a CIFWA related question? You may. So you were talking, I, I spoke to you a while ago uh, about it, and I think you, there was a post about this a little bit ago, uh, CIFWA's, uh efforts towards moving towards um, self-published. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of challenges with that, obviously, because, you know, that would include just, you know, if everyone who self-published, you know, suddenly CIF was, right. you know, a mass, right? But the, uh, I guess, how is, has there been, a, now maybe I'm out of the loop, so there has been a conclusion, but has there been a conclusion? If so, what, or where does that all kind of lie in? So. There has. Oh. Uh, for months and months, the board talked about how to come up with credentials that we felt were comparable to the traditionally published ones. And mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, we actually raised uh, the ones for comparably published people because we kind of feel like uh, that pu- pushes the publishers to up the advances when we do that. Mm-hmm. So... We move the traditional, traditionally published people have to prove an advance of $3,000 or more. Oh. And, and self-published or small press people have to prove uh, $3,000 uh, over the course of a year for a single work or single, usually a book. Sure. That would be awesome if, if short stories could do that. Yeah, but that, that's you're right. improbable. Um, and... Um, and which we felt was was kind of comparable. So that could be like if somebody got like a one thousand dollar advance from a small press and then made you know two thousand in royalties over the course of a year. Sure, that's uh, three thousand dollars. 
And so we've put these out. Uh, as a result, we've had over 150 new members since March have joined under the new, uh, you know, I don't want to say regime, under the new rules. The new for guidelines, it, yeah. The new guidelines. Um, the world has not exploded as a result. <laughs> uh, uh, we've had a lot, in fact, a lot of them have become uh, very uh interesting and good uh, new volunteers for CIFWA, which mm. I, I'm always appreciative of. They are contributing huge amounts of knowledge, usually in stuff that a lot of us don't know much about. And the interesting thing to me is that for a lot of them, it's not hard for them to prove $3,000. You know, I was thinking they'd have to scrape it together and be like, well, I've got, you know, 1500 from Amazon and 500 from Barnes & Noble and, you know, yeah. I passed a hat in my office and it got $75. <laughs> uh, you know, but no, it's more like, well, do you want the Amazon spreadsheet? Do you want the, you know, Kodo spreadsheet? What do you, you know, how do you want it? And and just and, and some of them are just, um, you know, the thing, the thing that makes self-publishing work is people that write fast and well. Yes. And there are a lot of them that write fast and well, uh, and they're just they're they're making significant amounts of money. It's really interesting, yeah. uh, and they're you know freely sharing their knowledge and their numbers, which is awesome. So in a way, the self-publishing ecosystem is in its own way competing against uh, well-established publishing companies, which is helping drive that even further. Yes, yes, that's oh, awesome. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Reader, of course, is our gaming guy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, this is a lot of a lot of what I bring to the table is outside looking in because I don't have as much familiarity with writing, publishing, and so on. So for anybody that might be coming new to this, this is my voice speaking for them. So that's mm -hmm. that's what. If you hear any of those other questions, you can go. Oh yeah, he's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> But well, because it's kind of—I mean, as I understand it, it's kind of a three-way awkward shift, or like we're the shifting sands where you have the self-like -pub published driving one aspect. You have the traditional pub publishing houses and the small press, and then you also have, you know, distribution models like Amazon, right, where they don't negotiate, right. you know, right. and so it's this kind of this trying to find a medium ground in this kind of ever-shifting sands, and I don't know, right. And and see, here's the thing, at least in, in my opinion, and, and I have spent a lot of time thinking about this in the last 10 years, like right now what the traditional publishers bring to the table uh, for a writer is they bring uh, kind of established distribution channels, mm -hmm. right? You know, they know that their books are going to get uh, reviewed in Publishers Weekly. They know that they're going to go to Barnes & Noble. They know that, you know, they're going to appear on Amazon and, and, you know, all of that. And... For the small press places and for the indie press people, um, there's for them it's all about discoverability, mm -hmm. and they right. have to find out you know a way to be discoverable that allows them to sort of conquer the hurdle. You know the fact that the traditionally published people they're set, right? You know they're they're well set and and they're aware of it, and so but you know I think that's eroding, and I think it's going to continue to erode. And I, so I think traditional publishing needs to step up its game, you know, which I don't think it's doing right now. Well, and it's got a kind of a, uh, like, a, like you know, I think there was a talk about the graying hair of fandom, right? You know, like conventions are, are uh, the average age is getting older. And right, the younger right, groups right. are traditionally kind of, they're, they're, they're uh, kind of migrating towards things like Comic-Cons and whatnot. Comic-Cons. Yeah. Yeah, they're all at Comic-Con. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's like the... Uh, 
the kind of the, you know, and there's obviously, I'm not going to touch the other political element that's going out there that's talking about that. But like what I'm, what I'm saying is that um, with the uh, publishing, there's some, there's some conversation about the large publishing houses also having that because that's a, it's a pretty small amount of people mm-hmm. when you get to the, what the main seven. Right. You know, that's, they're, they're not, there's not that, there's this idea that there's this huge, vast amount of like editors and stuff and coming, like discovering for myself, I was surprised yeah. that you, you can, you can learn everyone's name pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. and you it's better, a much smaller world than you think it is. It's a much, and you better behave yourself because they'll, yeah. they'll all learn your name pretty quickly too. Word will get around. Yeah. 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 That is not a, that is not a very large pool when you're jumping into it. You need to pay attention. So, yeah. That's uh, talking about the uh, the self the self published. I, it's an interesting trend because uh, that's very similar behavior to what we saw happen with the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah, it is. yeah, so you have people who are just going directly to the source, which is their readers, mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, you know, why don't you come to me directly? We don't have to go through a publisher for this." And there's that it's it's, it's a very similar trend. So. There's also a similar trend in that a significant portion of that is absolutely crap. Right. <laughs> right. So now you're, I mean, you're, you're I, I'm just calling it like I see it. Like there yeah. is a lot of self-published books out there that are just, well, there's a lot of books that, and I guess, I don't know, Kat, what's your feedback on this, but there's, there, there, there's a lot of manuscripts and books and stuff that go out there that would, I would say perhaps have gone out prematurely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have not yes. gone out without you know the the benefit of an editor. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It, the benefit absolutely. of a skilled editor is is sometimes misunderstood mm-hmm. and, and not valued by someone. Yeah. Who? No, I'm not, I'm not calling out individual books. By I'm not arguing. Not that, and that. I'm not saying you were. I'm just saying that like there are some because I've I've like looked at certain ones and I'm like I'm like oh, this is and I'm like but then I but I look at it and I'm like God this could have been good right. Yeah, yeah. Right, like you, you read the blurb on the back and you're like, oh, fuck, yes, this looks great. And then you open it and you the first sentence is a comma splice uh, and then you get into uh, yeah. no dialogue breaks. And oh, yeah. And, and, but, and then, but the subject matter is interesting. Right. Yes. And you're like, but you can't this. read about it because your Kindle's embedded in the wall across <laughs> the bed. <bathroom. laughs> yeah. yeah, this fabulous, amazing world. And yet it seems to be like Ken and Barbie dolls kind of being maneuvered through it or something yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. You know? And that was that's the between both music and writing. That was the benefit yeah. of a publisher. You had a refinement process yeah. mm-hmm. with which to help out with that. Now that's Absolutely. also to say that people who self-publish do sometimes put out great works. Yes. And now yes. and now the other edge of that sword is that you have to sift through so much yes. to find those good works. Yes, and and I this is perhaps one of the reasons why. Things like uh, the Hugo Awards and the Nebula Awards be, w- may become more important uh, mm-hmm. because those are one of the the means of discoverability that are sort of open, in theory at least, to all of these channels, right? To both the independently published people and the traditionally published people. Uh, I mean, that that seems to me it's going to just become more and more important. The like kind of the the even field accolades, yeah. right? Right. The, yes. The, in the field, accolades is a, mm. a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, and I would imagine even more so, writing groups uh, as a yes. result of this will also start to become very important because when you do have somebody recognized, you know, through one of those awards, it will be easy for the writing group to say, "Yes, we supported them." 
Right. Well, writing groups were kind of an interesting element because there's, there's so many different kinds. Right. But, you right. Know, like the um, it actually raises a question, Kat. Someone with your ped- your pedigree, um, do you still employ a writing group in any way, shape, or form, or do you just move to alpha readers or beta readers? I mean, I guess where do you do you and Karen well, just pass things uh, off over wine? I don't know. Sure, sure. I do. I and I have a, a writing group that I I love, and I I take stuff in, and I I do like if everybody points to something that's broken, I'm like, boy, that's broken, and then I I you know this is one of the problems with writing groups is people will all point to it, but they none of them will give you the right. Uh, yeah. Solution. Um, so yeah, I do, and I take actually, I still take uh, some workshops. Every, well, I guess I haven't in a while uh, because I haven't had time. Um, but I was taking like uh, some of the Clarion West one day uh, workshops, even though I've taught you know them for them a couple times. I mean, because they bring in amazing people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. You're always kind of learning this craft. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're always. They're never done. No. Yeah. Well, and if you are, that's usually not a good sign. Right. If you, if you think that, you're wrong. Yeah. Or, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. like, you don't want to plateau in improvement when it comes to writing, right? Like, no. that's, no. Your, that's like the ultimate dread. Mm-hmm. But well, that'd be heartbreaking, right? Somebody says, you cannot get any better. And you'd just be like, what? Yeah, that'd be yeah. the end of you're days. You're stuck here. <laughs> they like, might mean well, but that's going to feel like a stab through the heart. Well, that's when you, like, look at it. You know, they, like, lead over, like, just want to let you know that you, this is this is about as far as you're going to get. You know? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that what like, a horrible can you imagine that like that like uh letter coming back from a submittal <laughs> that rejection letter or e- is, even that is yeah. an acceptance like we're gonna take right. this because we don't think you're gonna do any better yeah we want to get your name on here but that's gonna be this is far as you're getting yeah yeah well, that's I, I was just at uh, Worldcon and in Spokane, and I did the writing workshop. And and one of the guys, like we, I had this manuscript. I had we had three manuscripts, and one was terrific, and one was like, ah, okay, it's, you got some problems, and then one was just like, oh, what is going on here? <laughs> oh yeah, and and, oh, yeah. It, and it and it and it had you know it had its moments, right? You know, like everything's mm-hmm. got it got its moments. But like, and when we did the workshop, it turned out to be this uh, kid who was fourteen or fifteen years old. And so, like, for a 14 or 15-year-old, it was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good for a 14 or 15-year-old. <laughs> yep, but if right. it been, like, a, a 64-year-old who'd come in and gone, yes, I've been working on fantasy all my life, I'd just be like, dude, give it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, so. That's I, how we met. That's how Frog and I met Kat at uh, NorwestCon. Yeah, the, oh, okay. the, the Road Riding right. Group. That's how this all came to be. Can I, can I ask who your instructors were? We were actually there to do critiques. Yeah, he was. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, in the past, I've actually had uh, Todd McCoy. Oh, I love Todd. Yeah, in the past, I had Todd, and I had um, uh, Dixon. L- Laura Dixon. Am I, am I missing the first name? Lauren. 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 Thank you. I knew it was an L. Yeah, it was Lauren. And yeah. the irony is, in a couple of years later, because I'm in the Fairwood Writing Group, um, I was doing uh-huh. doing a critique with her. For someone. Oh, cool. And what was interesting about that was we had the exact same experience because we had this manuscript and it was like basically it was it was like chock full of a lot of things that were like not really developed, right? So we're like going through this and we're like, oh my god, this you know, where to start on this? And then so we we go into it and it's this sixteen year old kid who's like dressed well and his mom's in the corner and I have oh. never shifted my critique. Oh yeah, and yeah. I actually use the oh I email all my critiques out. Right, 
because I had written oh. on this, like, not not mean, but it was, like, meant for someone who's, like, okay, you've been, you know what I mean? You've Somebody got a lot a of things. Seasoned. Yeah, and this was his first attempt at doing something. Uh, and so yeah. I was, like, okay, this needs to be a little bit different. I'll tell you, I uh, back when I, I, for about three years there, I did a, a review site for independent independently published books. Oh, um, The okay. Friday Andy Review. My wife and I did it together. And we got this one. And we had a warning posted on the site, like, look, if you submit something... We are probably going to review it because we only have the time to read one of these things a week anyways. And we put out a weekly review. Mm -hmm. And so, and we're going to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not a hug box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I got this one book that was just terrible Mm -hmm. on and just unreadably terrible. Like you couldn't get past the first two pages. It would cause a headache. Yeah. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I submitted that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was it wasn't you okay. and it was i mean it was published i could link to it on amazon you could buy it for four bucks please, right please this no is, I'll, I'll get a mocha this is well and, and that's the thing is i i wrote the review mm-hmm. based on what i'd read sure. and it was scathing sure. right it was this is the worst book ever don't ever spend any money on this right no, because I, it was how i felt about the book yeah i my comment section got lit the hell up because apparently I had just written a boiling, scathing review of like a 17-year-old autistic kid. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you horrible, horrible man! How could you do such a thing? Yeah. And there was a, there was a whole bunch of people like, "How could you say these things?" And I'm like, "But I'm a I'm a review site for professionally published books you that are no trying idea. to sell their books." Yeah. Keywords no. professionally, right? And the, people are like, "But you can't come down on this. You, he has to be able to walk before he can run." And, and I'm like, yeah, but your walking should happen before you start charging money for it. <laughs> yeah, right. like, and yeah, you don't learn to kick the soccer ball on the field, no. right? You know, like that's the, and it, it's that's uh, a fine line too, because at what point does catering your review become harmful to the author? Right. As a review, um, it's not even about the author. Right, it's about the, the story. The review is there as a service to the fans to say, purchase this book, don't purchase that book. Well, right. as a critiquer, Kat, how do you handle that nuance? Like, is there, like, do you have a guiding principle that kind of... Well, I mean, this is something that I have to have to hit because often people are paying me to teach them, right? And yeah. so you, you don't right. want to be like, ha-ha! You know, <laughs> please, please, you please actually do that at the start of all of your classes. <laughs> Any- <laughs> First thing, you're all worthless. <laughs> but actually, I have a friend of mine who, did, like, she was a former student, and she took one of my classes. Uh, and she always reminds me about one of the the stories you got workshop because she was just like, "You were so diplomatic," <laughs> and I was just. <laughs> You know, there's always something you can say that's useful, right? Yes. You know, and even if it's just like a, if you start with a summary of the story and say, this is the story of, you know, a man whose Christmas tree is haunted and the light bulbs seem to be spelling out a message, but we're never told what it is. You know, it, you know that's useful to a writer because sure. sometimes that's not at all. They're like, oh, but, you know, didn't you understand? It was in binary, you know. Or, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, it's... So that's and that's what I always start a, a critique with, right? Is 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 kind of start with that and then tell them what's working, 
And there's always something that's that's working. I mean, you're never kind of at that level where you're just like, you know, well, I really like your punctuation. <laughs> you're like, I'm, like, I want to talk about how well you use that comma. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You, you printed this out nicely on a really bond paper. It's, it's, you managed yeah. to double space it. Yeah. <laughs> Like I've seen a lot of margins in my day, but let me tell you that's about right, your margins. That's right, that's right. This oh, this font—I've never seen it before. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Well, you actually have one of the short stories. Um, I think you did a reading from a while ago, and I don't know the name, but I was enthralled by it because uh, my day job in, involves a property management company, and people were <gasps> looking in the room, like looking at me, like, "What's he talking about now?" <laughs> And I think you may know where I'm going with this. She has a short story that involves, I believe, a board, like a condo board. Am I right about this? It is. It is. It's, it's elections at Villa Encantada. And it is, it is loosely based on the antics of my own condo association's board, antics because we've had some crazy shit go down. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, in fact, we're still trying to sell the condo. So if any of your listeners are, are interested in a really nice uh, condo, I've got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a great board that you just talked about. <laughs> we may want to revise that sales pitch. <laughs> we'll edit it in post. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll fix that. But go ahead. You were saying? I do live in a fabulous uh, space beside Lake Sammamish. That is true. Yeah. Um, where was I go? Oh, Lake, uh, the, the Lake and the uh, story. Yeah, it's loosely based on that. And of course, there is a, a kind of little bits that have crept in of dealing with the uh, CIFWA board. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so there's there's just a little bit of that here and there. Um, and th- there's a lot of stuff. You know, it's fun to, to think about that. So it like starts with everybody sending around these flyers and, and, and people are like stuffing them in each other's doors because it's, it's about to be election times. And like some of them are like actually employing curses on the flyers. So if you throw them <laughs> away, you know, things happen to you and uh, stuff like that. It's really it's it, 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 they're animals, too, aren't they? Some of them. Some of them are, yes. Yeah, like yes, they're magical it, creatures. And- there's a there's a mayfly uh, kind of who's this, this person who basically lives a year and then dies. Uh, who's who in fact is in fact incredibly energetic and is always kind of going around the whole entire complex. She doesn't sleep, so she's always kind of one of those people going around with a clipboard and making sure to <laughs> see like you know is there burlap curtains on your you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I remember that story because I remember I had just left a. Uh, it's one of those stories that are like fun, kind of whatever stories that get you at the right moment. Because I was just dealing with a board that yeah. was like you, you would have thought that yeah. it was like a UN proposal that they were like trying to approve, and it was oh like, god. oh my god. Oh, that's I tried to at one point with ours. There we have a number of stray cats because we're here by the lake, and somebody was like, "We need to put out traps," and I was like. Could we put what? out? <laughs> what? Go back to that. <laughs> no. So I said, can we put out those like have a heart ones, right? Those ones that just kind of trap up mainly. And I will personally take them over to, you know, one of the cat places. And like, ah, we should just, you know, because. Landmines. <laughs> for one thing, half of the cats that are wandering around here actually belong to people. Oh, yeah. And, and they're just sort of like, here, smoochy, go outside. And, and <laughs> they do. <laughs> Mine yeah. don't, but that's because I don't like picking ticks off them. Oh god, yeah, exactly, yeah right. dealing with the all the other issues. Yeah. Oh god, no, no. Cat, it has been an absolute uh, hoot <laughs> having you on here. Um, gl- I'm glad you were able to withstand us. That was that was that was a definite positive there. <laughs> right. Um, right. Um, Cat, do you have a website or anything that you'd like to plug before we let you go? I do. 
Uh, actually, you can go to catrambo.com uh, and you will see uh, mentions of, you will see links to many of my stories and word about the classes and a way to sign up for my class mailing list. Uh, and I have a new mailing going out on, uh, I think, Monday or Tuesday, depending on how much I procrastinate. <laughs> um, no, this has been a pleasure. I like doing podcasts. As you can tell, I like just sort of shooting the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. And that's the... That's <laughs> Do you the, mind if I add one thing real quick to her? Um, I think what some people don't, um, to add to that is some of your, your classes are online, aren't they, Kat? Yes. Yes. Yeah, all so of- like you don't need to physically be... Like that might be important to people who aren't necessarily around. Right. Yeah, you know, right. you're able to actually access that and 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 partake. And she does a fantastic job of doing those online. So yeah. awesome. So catrambo.com, exactly how it sounds, and uh, you'll be able to find more information there. Cat, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. On the next episode of Three Unwise Men, I guess I don't really know, but like when you go to get a handicap placard, mm-hmm. like yeah. do they also just give you a keys to a Buick? Or- <laughs> 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 no, see, that's funny. <laughs>